we are coming to the final church in the book of Revelation in chapter 3. We're looking at verses 14 to 22 this morning. I guess there's probably a few things that I dislike more, more than expecting a nice hot cup of coffee and only turns out to be sort of lukewarm, almost cold. Or perhaps there's nothing less unappetizing than lukewarm foods. What do you do when you get a cup of lukewarm coffee? Do you microwave it or do you throw it out? The answer, I think, is throw it out. What about a bowl of porridge that it's almost gone cold, it just is lukewarm, it's gone a bit gloopy? Do you throw it in the bin or do you try and eat it? Again, I would say just throw it out. And so as we read about the seventh church in Revelation, Jesus found the complacency and half-hearted discipleship of this church just as disgusting as a mug of lukewarm coffee, which you just want to spit out of your mouth. What is frightening about this church of Laodicea was this was a church who thought it had everything. It thought everything was fine. However, Jesus thought very differently. Laodicea was known for its wealth because of its manufacturing and it was about 100 miles from Ephesus and fairly close to one of the churches that Paul writes to in the letter to Colossians. Laodicea was particularly well known because of a special black wool sheep that was used to make a unique and probably quite expensive designer clothes. It was famous for its expertise in medicine, especially for an eye ointment that was sold around the whole area because of its healing properties. And this meant that the people of Laodicea were actually very well off, living in large houses. In fact, the ruins of which can still be seen today. And money was certainly no obstacle to them. They had a wonderful, comfortable life. But money was an obstacle to their spiritual growth. For they had fallen in love with money and wealth and had grown lukewarm towards Jesus. In fact, no other church receives such severe condemnation as this one does. Yet, perhaps out of all the seven letters, this book reveals more clearly than ever how intimately Jesus knows his church and how much he cares and loves them. So let's read. We're in verse 14 of chapter 3. Jesus' words to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and the true witness the ruler of God's creation. And Jesus presents himself as the Amen, which is an Old Testament title for God. In fact, we see it in Isaiah chapter 65 and verse 16, which says, So that he who blesses himself in the land shall bless himself by the God of truth. And he who takes an oath in the land shall swear by the God of truth. Now the word truth here is also the Hebrew word for Amen. And Jesus declaring that he is the truth, but that also he speaks the truth. And he is both. He both declares, and what comes out of his mouth is truth, but also his very character. He is truth, because he is the faithful and the true witness of verse 14. And Jesus, Jesus faithfully proclaims and reveals God to this world. So if you want to know who God is and what God is like, you look at Jesus Christ. In fact, we see God's love and God's mercy and God's grace shown to us most 
completely and most perfectly in and through Jesus and especially through his suffering and death on the cross. His testimony is true and he is faithful to his calling. But Jesus is also the ruler, the beginning, the word of God of creation. He is sovereign. He is the source, the beginning of all of creation. And he alone is the source of life for everyone. And he stands as a perfect example to any church, including this church in Laodicea. But the church of Laodicea didn't follow the example of Jesus because they Well, they thought they already had everything. They thought they had everything made. They thought they had life sorted all by themselves. And they were relying on their own prosperity, on their eye treatment, on their expensive woolen garments. And this church was comfortable, smug, self-satisfied, thinking it didn't need anything or anyone. And Jesus, well, he could have so easily given up on them. In fact, the truth is, most of us would have. But Jesus loves them too much not to warn them. And there are times when we need someone to come alongside us and just to tell us that enough is enough. And I'm tired of your selfishness or your self-centered attitude or you just need to get your act together. However, the only person who can really get away with saying such a thing is someone who is really close to you. Someone who we know loves us and cares for us and is doing it because they just don't want us to throw our lives away. Perhaps a parent, a brother, sister, a a wife, a husband. These are probably one of the few people who can get away with such approach. Oh yes, and there's Jesus. And Jesus Christ is the friend of sinners. He is the head and the lover of the church. And he is able to come alongside this church with a harsh rebuke. And he says to them, I have had enough of you. You make me sick. And Jesus tells this church the hard truth about their spiritual condition. Unfortunately, they would not believe his diagnosis, or at least they didn't want to believe his diagnosis. This Laodicean church didn't want to face up to the truth. And Jesus says to them, in verse 15, it's chapter 3, verse 15, I know your deeds. They are neither cold nor hot. I wish they were either one of the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth. I do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind and naked. You see, Laodicea was known for its water, but not in a good way. Its water tasted bad, really bad, and it would often actually make people sick. It stood in contrast to both the medical hot springs of Areopolis, just across the valley, and also the cold, refreshing waters of Colossae up the road. Archaeologists tell us that the source of the water that led, that fed the city of Laodicea came from Areopolis, so seven miles away. It started as a hot spring, but as the water travelled down to Laodicea, it cooled to a lukewarm state. It was neither hot nor cold. In Areopolis, it would have been hot and soothing, but as the water travelled, it had become polluted and altered by its surrounding environment. Unfortunately, this church was no better. So as Jesus looks upon this church and saw their works and their compromise, See, they were comfortable rather than committed. 
They honored Jesus when it suited them. They obeyed Jesus when it was easy for them. And there was no black or white, no right nor wrong, no sin or truth. They were neither hot nor cold, just grayness with no absolutes. And they were so far removed from the purposes of God for them as a church that they were in danger of being spat out of his mouth. And the root of their problem was one of spiritual arrogance. This church viewed themselves very differently to how Jesus saw them. They said, I am rich. I've acquired wealth. I, I don't need anything. Jesus' view was, you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind and naked. And they, they didn't realise that they were lukewarm. They didn't understand their situation because they were measuring themselves using a different thermometer. I want you to imagine for a moment that you go off on holidays, you pack your shorts and your t-shirts because someone has told you that your holiday destination is 32 degrees. So you step off the plane as you arrive there and you're absolutely freezing and you're shivering and you realise you've packed all the wrong things because yes, it is 32 degrees, but it's 32 degrees Fahrenheit, not centigrade. Because you see, on the centigrade scale, it's actually zero. It's freezing point. And this was the problem with this church. This church is saying to themselves, our spiritual temperature is white hot. We are on fire for God. We are passionate about Jesus. And this would have been fine if they'd been using the same measuring scale as Jesus was, but they weren't. So Jesus tells them, you're measuring your love for me and your devotion for me by using the wrong scale, the wrong thermometer. You're neither hot nor cold. You are lukewarm. And I want to be sick. I want to vomit. You need to make sure that you are using Jesus' thermometer, not your own. To be honest about your spiritual condition. See, honesty is the beginning of true blessing. As you admit who you are, as you admit your spiritual condition, as you confess your sins, then you can begin to receive all that God has promised you, all that you need. But it starts with honesty. You must be honest with God and let God be honest with you. But Jesus goes on in verse 18 and he says, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich. And white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so that you can see. So what went wrong with this church? How did they end up like this? What led to this spiritual arrogance? And perhaps most importantly, how can we avoid it? But see, these problems were to do with mindset and to do with compromise. So the first thing is they were proud and wealthy. And had lost their values. Unfortunately material prosperity and spiritual poverty often go together. You see if we put anything ahead of God. Money. Property. Possessions. Family. If anything takes God's rightful place we're in trouble. And this church's values had become so mixed up, so twisted that they had begun to behave like the wealthy city and banking centre in which they were situated. They were very proud of their impressive buildings, their annual reports and their statistics. And money, well money had taken the place of Jesus. So they were measuring things by human standards instead of God's standards. In fact, they were even beginning to think that the church was there to serve them rather 
than them being there to serve Jesus and others. In fact, to prove how proud and arrogant these people of Laodicea were in AD 60, they suffered a great earthquake, but they refused to accept financial help from Rome for any reconstruction work. I don't need help, was their attitude. They believed they had everything they needed. They didn't need anybody's help. Unfortunately, the church in Laodicea agreed with this. And it pushed Jesus away. So this church measures how spiritual they are by how comfortable they felt. And because they had money, wealth and an easy life, they thought they were spiritually blessed. And money and comfort is not wrong. But if we love it, it can destroy lives. And it can take God's rightful place. So in verse 18, Jesus says, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich. What is Jesus saying here? Well, this may be quite controversial in many ways, but Jesus is suggesting here that this church needs some trials. It needs to endure some sufferings. And it's so often that through testing and suffering that God deals with our spiritual poverty and makes us rich in Christ. So listen, if God puts difficulties and trials into your life, don't get angry with him. Instead, we should be thankful that he is shaping us and that he is making us more like his son, Jesus. And let's be careful. If we want to be white hot for Jesus, we need to make sure that we get our values right. That we put God in his rightful place. That's number one place. And that we do not let anything take his place in our lives. The second thing is that this church had lost their vision. The Laodiceans were blind. In fact, as we've mentioned already, Laodicea was renowned as a medical centre and was famous for his, this particular eye ointment. But somewhat ironically, they could not see themselves as they really were. Nor could they see Jesus who stood outside the door of the church. They were so wrapped up in building up of their own kingdom and they'd become lukewarm in their concerns for this lost world. It wasn't that they'd taken their eyes off Jesus, it was much worse. They were blind. They needed healing to apply some heavenly eye ointment. The eye is one of the most sensitive parts of the body. So to restore sight, you would want to have the very best physician to operate on you. Jesus is the greatest physician of all. He alone is the one who can open eyes that are spiritually blind and restore sight to anyone who comes to him by faith. Listen, if you want to be on fire for God, you need again to have your eyes opened. You need God by G through Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit to come along and apply healing balm to your eyes that you may see, that you may see as Jesus sees. And bring glory and honour to him. The third thing is they were naked. Just like if you know the story of the emperor's new clothes by Hans Christian Andersen. Where this king is convinced that he's got some special clothes that are completely invisible. Of course he walks around naked. These Christians thought that they were clothed in splendour. But actually they were nearly, they were really naked as well. And this prosperous town had a reputation for good clothes, especially for their famous black wool. So they would go to the market, they would buy their fine woolen garments. But listen, even the very best designer clothes is no better, sorry, is no match for what Jesus offers. Instead, 
They needed the white garments of God's righteousness and grace. It's through salvation, it is through repentance that Christ's righteousness is given to you. And because Jesus Christ has paid the ultimate price for your sin, he has taken your sin, he's taken your filthy rags, and he has replaced them with his righteousness, with his fine white robes. But again, these Laodiceans had got it so wrong. They are so twisted in their thinking. They actually preferred to believe a local superstition that wearing of white garments would lead to death because that's what they buried their dead in in, those pla- in that place. But they have got it so mixed up and so wrong because by contrast to their white robes of death, the white robes that Jesus gives are given to those who live forever. Listen, Jesus Christ brings life and he gives life, eternal life to those who come to him by faith. And Jesus wants you to be on fire for him. He wants you to be hot, white hot for him for his glory and for his honour. And to do so, we need to cover our nakedness to come to Jesus Christ, to be clothed in the white robes of his righteousness, to have our vision restored, to know his healing, his hand, his heavenly ointment upon our eyes, but also to get our values right, to put God in his rightful place as number one. But this church, in their wealth, in their blindness, in their nakedness, they somehow felt that they were good. They actually felt quite proud about who they are, and they excluded Jesus from their actions and from their plans. And they actually believe that they didn't need Jesus at all. They're no longer functioning as a lampstand, a witness to their city. And Jesus says to them, without me, you can do nothing. It's John chapter 15 and verse 5. And we need Jesus. We need his Holy Spirit to equip us, to help us to work for him. So a church or a Christian who thinks it can can become independent or self-satisfied, who says, we don't need anything else. I'm okay by myself. Listen, we will eventually die. And it's no surprise that Jesus says, I want to vomit you out of my mouth. And Jesus speaks harshly and sharply to them in a way that hurts. And don't forget, this is a proud church. And no proud person likes to be put down like this. But right in the middle of this dreadful and hurtful condemnation, we see how Jesus extends a hand of love and mercy to them. Listen to his words. Again, we're in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 19. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and they with me. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne Just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Jesus is speaking like a father would to his children. And he wants them to know it's not too late yet. He still loves this lukewarm saints, even though their love for him has grown cold. So he's calling on them to repent of their pride, to humble themselves before the Lord. He invites them to be earnestly repenting. They must turn round and ask for forgiveness and start doing the things that they should have been doing all along. They have been called to be faithful lampstands that burn brightly for Jesus in this world. They need to stir up the inner fire to cultivate a heart that is passionate for Jesus Christ. What about you this morning?
Do you need to be reminded of Paul's words in Second Timothy chapter 1 and verse 6? Paul says, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flames the gift of God which is in you. Listen, we need to be on fire for the Lord Jesus Christ. And sometimes we need to fan into flames that passion and that desire for Jesus once again. These people, first and foremost, needed to come back to Christ as the source of their life. And because of their self-satisfaction, they had excluded Jesus from his church. And listen, it still was his church. And they were behaving like a people who had closed the door on Jesus. It's as if he's standing outside this church, looking in, saying, here I am. I'm standing at the door and knocking, let me in. And Jesus comes to them as a salesman with a difference. He knocks on the door with an offer that is just out of this world. He says, buy, come and buy. But he's not asking for money. Instead, he gives riches, clothes and eye ointment. And this is very similar to what is described in the Old Testament in Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 1. Come, all of you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Come to a completed transaction, to a deal that has been done. Come and buy. And the price, it's infinite. But Jesus paid it himself on the cross. The offer, priceless, but it's free. There is a cost, but Jesus has given it all, so open the door to him. Receive riches from Jesus, not from this world. And Jesus' plea to this church and to us is for an uncompromising commitment, a heart of praise, where glory and honour is given to Jesus, where he is seen. Listen, if you're looking to find joy and satisfaction in the things of this world, you are going to be disappointed because true riches and joy and satisfaction can only be found in Jesus Christ. Find your value in him. Measure yourself according to his godly standards. Use his thermometer. Allow Jesus to apply spiritual eye balm to bring healing and restoration to your vision so that you may see Jesus and be seen by him, that you may see as he sees and, and know the truth. And Jesus' desire for his church is repentance. His words may feel harsh, but these are words of a friend who wants your best. He speaks with love, pleading that you would open the door of your life and let him in. There's no sadder picture than that of Jesus standing at the door of a Christian church who are going through the motions of worship, but Jesus is not included. Or someone who claims to be a Christian who's going through the motions of religion and Jesus standing outside of their life saying, I want to come in. I want to eat with you. Let me sit down. Let's sit down together. Let's have a meal. Let's, let's talk. Let's chat. Is it really possible that Christians can actually be deaf to the knock of Jesus and to the voice of Jesus? I think so. Let me explain why sometimes I don't hear the door or maybe hear the telephone because the TV's up too loud. Or perhaps the music is just turned up. Or I'm in the garden mowing the lawn, which to be fair doesn't happen too often, but it does happen. Or perhaps I'm just busy. I'm just working hard. I'm just getting my head down. I'm just so focused on the thing that I'm doing that I am just not taking anything else in. I'm just not listening properly. And it's very possible that these things and others, the noise of this world, the influence and lifestyles of society and culture can so easily deafen 
out the knock of Jesus and can become the reason why we don't hear him and why we leave him out in the cold and allow our hearts to become lukewarm. But listen, it doesn't have to be this way. And even though Jesus comes to them speaking words of condemnation, he wants to get their attention. But as well as the condemnation, Jesus is speaking promises over them. He has not given up on this church. And Jesus does not give up on any church or anyone. And he continues to offer himself to them. He promises them the greatest riches and position of all. To rule with him in heaven as conquerors. To live in victory. And listen, you can live in victory. As you clothe yourself in the righteousness of Jesus. The one that he bought for you on the cross. His righteous garments. As you make sure that you value God properly. As you make sure you put him in your rightful place. And then as you allow Jesus to come and apply healing balm upon your eyes. That you may see as Jesus sees. That you may be washed in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. That you may be made right before God. And as we do this, we live in victory. That Jesus brings to each and every one of us as we come to him by faith. So this morning you can respond in a number of ways. Firstly you can either just carry on as things are thinking that everything is okay. And that there's no need to change. And you can live a lukewarm Christian life. But listen this is repulsive to Jesus. Or secondly, you can measure your spiritual temperature, give against other people. And we all quite like to do this sometimes because we can then begin to feel pretty good about ourselves because we can always find somebody else who well, is probably worse than we are. But Jesus measures you against his Father and it's Jesus' view, only his view, that really matters. Or thirdly, you can ignore the call of Jesus to repent. You can drown out the knocking and the pleading of Jesus. Just keep yourself busy. Just keep doing what you're doing. Make sure there's enough noise around to crowd out the voice of Jesus so you don't hear. You don't have to hear. But there's a fourth option. And that is to respond to his voice, to let him come in, to allow him to refine you, to purify you, to restore you, to fill, him, fill you with his spirit. So that your heart may be passionate for Jesus, that you may be clothed in the white garments of his righteousness, that you may honour him. And Jesus calls his people to be consumed with a passion for the living God without compromise, to live like him. In Romans 12 verse 11 it tells us never be lacking in zeal but keep your spiritual fervour serving the Lord. So what is it in your life that you're most zealous, most passionate about? What is that thing? Just think for a moment. What's the first thing that comes into your mind? What are you most passionate about? Listen, it should be, it ought to be Jesus Christ. Secondly, what temperature is your commitment to the Lord at this moment? On a scale of maybe 1 to 10, 1 being cold, 10 being hot. What is your commitment to Jesus Christ? And remember, make sure you're using Jesus' thermometer, not someone you've made up of your own. But what is your spiritual temperature? Take some time to think it about, to think about it. And then ask God by the Holy Spirit to show you what you need to change. 
And maybe thirdly, what is Jesus being saying to you this morning? As we've been talking, as we've been going through this particular, and talking about this particular church, what has Jesus, by his Spirit, been challenging about? What do you need to repent of? What changes do you need to make in your walk with God? Listen, Jesus is after all of your heart. He's after everything. He wants total and utter commitment to you, to him. You know, during the worship, God has been preparing us for what this sermon is all about. We've heard God prophetically just call us to give everything over to him, to be absolutely 100% committed to Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. And God is speaking to some of you today. And you need to repent of some things. You sort some things out in your life. You need to give everything, absolutely everything, over to Jesus. He loves you so much. So come close. Open the door. And let him in.